world of e-commerce can be tricky, and that's why you need the experts to help take you to the next level. This is Delivering E-Commerce, and this is Chris Parsons. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Delivering E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chris Parsons, and I have the extreme pleasure of introducing a longtime friend of mine, Brighton Bacchus, to the uh, show. Brighton Man, it's been a long time since you and I have had the opportunity to speak. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I know it's going to be very educational, even for myself. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, you and I met a long time ago at Newegg.com, and you were a delight to deal with. You were a true, what I consider partner. There's a lot of times that you you work with suppliers, and it doesn't have that win-win feel and that win-win relationship. But with you, that was instant. As soon as we met. It was about how to drive success for both of us, and uh, that was a great, uh, great moment in my career. So, um, I would love for you to tell, introduce yourself, and, and tell your journey. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, Chris. And and you're right. We really did a lot of great work together at at Newegg.com. I know you were brought in specifically to Newegg to really grow their their Canadian business, and we had a lot of success in growing that together. Uh, you know, Newegg was a U.S.-based uh, e-commerce, one of the, the largest e-commerce electronic apparel and computer peripheral companies in the world. And, uh, yeah, really working together uh, with you, with that company, really uh, happy to say Newegg.com exploded in, in Canada. And also really appreciate your comments about the partnership because, you know, I, I always like to say in whatever professional role that I'm in, uh, being in sales and business development is, you know, re- really three goals is number one, to help a, co- co- a company grow, to help their bottom line grow. Number two, improve the customer delivery experience, which is so critical, especially in the world of e-commerce these days. And number three, uh, not only be a supplier, as you said, or a partner, but really become a resource where if they have questions about duties and taxes, if they have customs about how to ship to a particular country, uh, that's where we like to come in. Uh, just a very brief background on myself. I've uh, been married 25 years to my wife, Amy. have two daughters. Lauren is 21 and in college. My younger daughter, Amanda, is 18. I uh, just graduated high school. Um, I'm based in the Southern California area of the States, uh, have been in the logistics supply chain industry, uh, give or take 15 years with a number of different companies. And yeah, really looking forward to the opportunity. That's excellent. You've hit a lot of milestones there, 25 years and um, yeah, <laughs> and some graduations. Yeah, no, been, been, yeah thank you. No, been very blessed as, as you know. Uh, I like to look a lot at my, you know, personal development and growth, kind of similar to the, you know, e-commerce, you know, a marriage is a lot like a startup business. You're working together, uh, you're trying to grow together and and you want to do everything you can to, you know, make it as as positive and, and as successful as possible. And really with the, you know, thankfully with the blessings of my wife, Amy, and uh, my two girls, you know, thankfully, the, the Bacchus family is, is still uh, chugging right along. So, yeah, it, it's it's been great. Great. Hey, so let's dive into your career a little bit. Let's talk sure. about that journey that you've been on and how you mm-hmm. are where you are today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No problem. So uh, kind of the, the short story is uh, right out of college, I went to Loyola Marymount University in, in Los Angeles, graduated in many moons ago in 1993. 
uh, was always interested in careers in in sales. Uh, originally out of school, I thought I was going to become the next, uh, you know, Al Michaels or uh, Chris Collinsworth or or uh, you know Joe Buck, like a sports announcer. Realized that was a very competitive field, and actually just really got into sales. Uh, started off actually selling automobiles for two years, which was a great experience. Uh, worked in litigation support sales, which the easiest way to describe that is like the O.J. Simpson trial and all the boards and everything. I uh, did that for about seven years. Uh, then after that, I was in Yellow Pages and Internet Advertising back when uh, th- that was a thing. You know, it, w- it was really big. And, and that's in the the uh, the late 19, 1990s. Uh, and then just with changes in the industry, I was contacted by a recruiter uh, to work in the supply chain and logistics industry. So, uh, you know, very fortunate to uh, work with a number of of big name companies. Uh, One of them was Purolator, where we were together at Newegg. I was there in 1999 to 2006. Uh, From 2006 to 2007, I was with DHL Global Forwarding. Um, Little little time there that was focusing more on, on... uh, air and ocean freight, uh, then uh, really missed the small parcel. So I was with the company Ascendia for three years. Uh, they're based out of the States as well, and uh, now have been with uh, FedEx uh, cross-border logistics uh, going on two or three years. So that's kind of the, the brief the brief overview of who we are and what we do. And ideally, it's a, a sales uh, position, but it's really working with e-commerce businesses who want to grow their uh, e-commerce business internationally, they're shipping. And, and that's really what uh, what I do is I, I look at the research, I look at their internet statistics, the geography, where their hits are coming from, looking at what their average order value is, and if we can give them the opportunity to service that international market from where they currently are without having to use a 3PL or open a dedicated distribution center within a country, um, that's, that's really what we want want to do so brighton with uh with you helping out retailers and you talk about some of the changes that are happening and we've noticed that there's some recent changes in the north america uh trade agreements with uh, us canada mexico from switching from nafta to the uh, us mexico canada agreement um i know we can do a, a separate show on this but uh i just want to have you discuss that briefly talk about some of the uh ins and outs or some of the major changes that uh, retailers should be aware of. Yeah, de- definitely no problem. There, there's really uh, you know two or three primary changes that really impacted USMCA. Uh, prior to that, uh, really during the Clinton administration, uh, we had NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, and and ideally what that was created for was to really level the playing field between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico to create free trade. Uh, with limited taxes and duties and really give entrepreneurs in the e-commerce sphere the opportunity to expand their business and grow. Uh, As time evolved, e-commerce kind of changed. So some of the things that changed is what's called the de minimis value, which is the minimum amount of a shipment that a customer can be charged duties and taxes on increased. From the U.S. to Canada, it used to be $20 Canadian, but it was actually increased to $40 Canadian. The reason that is important is e-commerce customers in Canada that are now looking for things from the U.S. Previously, if it was 
$20 or below, they did not have to pay any duties or taxes. Now, with it being increased to $40, they can actually purchase something from the states that is $40, which is below that de minimis value. So it really does increase their their e-commerce dollar spend. So they're not having to pay anywhere from 15, 17 five percent as you know depending on what canadian province you're in and their e-commerce dollar can go much further so that was really the primary change that we're seeing in the e-commerce space we're also seeing what it's doing is it's allowing a lot more companies whether in the u.s canada or mexico my primary experiences with companies in the u.s but really what it is doing is it is really giving u.s-based e-commerce companies, the opportunity to ship to Canada uh, and really removing some of those hurdles and allowing them to ship to Canada, reach those Canadian customers within a, uh, you know, as if it was a domestic shipment uh, and really improve their customer engagement with Canada and, and build up a Canadian following. So really the primary change with the USMCA was that de minimis value. Uh, and that's really something that, uh, has really helped U.S. e-commerce businesses uh, grow their business to Canada. That's a that's an interesting point. I had a guest on a few uh, weeks ago, and when U.S. shoppers shop in Canada, they get to spend eight hundred dollars um, that they don't have to pay the tax and duty, and Canadians get to the luxury of spending forty dollars. Yeah, exactly. That that's one of one of the things right there. It, where again, it, the 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 playing field is definitely not quite level. Uh, even if you're in Mexico, there you know there's a figure of 150. So it, it, it's very challenging, uh, definitely for you know Canadian customers uh, when it comes to the whole duties and taxes thing. So yeah, I, I agree. Twenty to forty. Uh, it's double the amount, but again, 20, 20 to 840 times the amount, you know, again, I, I wish I was uh, more influential in, uh, in in North American trade policy, but yeah, it, it definitely, uh, it is an improvement, but, uh, you know, hoping that they'll continue to make improvements for uh, e-commerce shoppers around the world. The, the great news is the fact that our Canadian dollar has strengthened uh, historically really low held down by our government, but uh, with uh, some recent COVID numbers, we are we are up significantly. I think it's coming down a little bit this week, but ultimately between those two things, it is uh, more appealing for Canadians to be able to leverage that buying power and shop on U.S. retailer sites. Yeah, the Canadian dollar is going further and further. I mean, I, I as you know, I spent a lot of time in Canada and for a while I remember, you know, parody. And now it, it, it and for a long time, it was more in the U.S. U.S. dollars favor of, of the balance. And as you said, with COVID, with the strength of the Canadian economy, uh, you know, the way Canada handled the the uh, the global pandemic, you know, with with uh, the lockdowns uh, did a did a magnificent job. I mean, how magnificent of a job that they did they do? Uh, as you know, the NHL decided to have the Stanley Club. Cup playoffs in Canada last year. They did such an amazing job, uh, and again, all of those t- teams came up came up to Canada. So, yeah, definitely, it's great to see the Canadian dollar strong, uh, the Canadian economy strong, and looking forward to uh, continued growth. Great, uh, Brighton. With the uh, next question, I have is: We talked just a little bit about COVID, but what are some of the significant changes that COVID has brought on into your industry 
over the last 18 months and how's it how's it really impacted you yeah no excellent question chris and and this applies to e-commerce businesses whether you're in the us whether you're in your canada or, or anywhere around the world so a couple of things uh first of all the e-commerce demand has has been significant uh, many companies expected e-commerce to grow and and blossom probably within four to eight years with the global pandemic and, and everyone being at home. That capacity that was built for many organizations that's two times, three times the size uh, was put into use right away. So that that's globally. Um, let alone domestically. In, in in the U.S., very familiar with the challenges of USPS and delays. Uh, in Canada, Canada Post had delays. And, it, you know, COVID, as, as the global pandemic, didn't select any people in particular. It was the same with uh, shipping and logistics companies, whether you were brown or whether you're purple or whether you're red or whatever color you were, you were definitely impacted by that. So really the first thing was really the capacity. Capacity was an issue. Uh, delays, there were many delays. Uh, many companies in this space will use commercial aircraft uh, to move those shipments internationally. Um, when there's a blockade on flights from the US to European countries or flights from the US to Canada, for example, uh, there was definitely uh, a significant decrease in commercial airspace capacity. So many providers have instituted some COVID-19 surcharges, which I'm sure everyone is familiar with. Uh, and it's beyond the usual fuel surcharge and, and some of those other charges. So it has made shipping more expensive for e-commerce-based businesses. And then I think really the, the third thing that... Uh, COVID-19 has, has impacted e-commerce customers has really been transit times. Uh, transit times around the world and across the globe. Uh, when you look at, at COVID and transit times, if you looked at them on a graph, uh, shipments, for example, from the US to Canada, for us, shipments were taking four to six days or our average transit time was five days to Canada from the US. Now uh, in Canada, you know, with the COVID-19, some of the lockdowns they had in Canada, the average time in transit was inching up to six to 10 days, probably closer to eight days. And that's U.S. to Canada. Uh, we're happy to say now that we're seeing the transit times across the globe starting to come back down. But because of that lack of commercial airspace, many providers were using ocean containers uh, just because it was prohibitive and sometimes unavailable to move them in the air, that a lot of those shipments, and again, this is, of course, during the holidays when everybody needs their products, a lot of those shipments were actually moving on ocean containers uh, from, from the East Coast of the United States or the West Coast of the United States uh, across the Atlantic to Europe, or sometimes containers from Southern California actually going up into Vancouver on the East Coast, you know, going into Montreal or or Toronto. So yeah, definitely those were the the primary impacts of, of COVID on the uh, e-commerce shipping industry. Yeah, we, we noticed a lot of delays and even on the demands of our own logistics centers, we obviously, especially in the home industry with the boom there, um, we've we've had our challenges to to keep up to demand. And um, you, you always forecast for growth each year and you want incremental growth, but this type of growth has been unprecedented and uh, 
very fortunate time to be through because you're it's it's also forcing us to learn and react faster and adapt so um by going through this i think it just accelerates the type of growth that the whole industry will have going forward so um when when you look at the outlook for the rest of this year um people are going back to malls they're starting to shop again offline and into into the bricks and mortars do you still see a, a significant demand going into the back half of the year yeah, no, e- excellent question, Chris. Uh, you know, from our perspective and 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 from forecasts from what we're seeing, I think you're still going to continue to see that growth of e-commerce business, uh, online shopping, uh, and especially on the cross-border side. I think you're going to continue to see that. Uh, same as you said, actually, my my daughters and I went to the mall a couple of weeks ago, and there are a lot of vacancies in our mall. And this, you know, it's a it's a larger mall. It's not quite the Eaton Center in in Toronto, but it's, it's definitely a, a big mall. And there are a lot of vacancies. There's a lot of empty spaces within the malls. So I, I agree with you. I, I think there will be an increase of the brick and mortar stores that are that are making a comeback. Um, the brick and mortar stores are also learning to be dynamic and, and flexible in the way they, that they do things. You know, whether it's Walmart taking returns at their stores or uh, Walmart actually, as you know, uh, you know, doing fulfillment from stores for e-commerce shipments. So there are many, uh, many ways that e-commerce companies are transforming themselves in in this new environment. I would say that it is going to continue to be, there will continue to be growth. There will continue to be that drive for e-commerce uh, internationally and domestically. Uh, but I also can very fairly say and and predict that Whatever carrier you use, as we get to the holidays, we will see record volume uh, parcels in the commercial stream as well as in the postal stream. So I think you'll see the continued growth in e-commerce. I think you will continue to see the flexibility and the dynamic capabilities of e-commerce businesses adapting, as you have shared. And thirdly, you will see longer transit times. So that's where... Uh, as as individually as a as a sales professional sales consultant would whatever you you call it you know it's it's being transparent with your with your client saying yes uh, shipments to the U- United Kingdom from the U.S. usually take five to eight days we are seeing shipments take seven to fourteen days uh, shipments to Australia that were moving six to ten days now are moving eight to twenty days so. Definitely. Uh, I, I think uh, there will be continued growth uh, throughout the year, uh, but definitely I think we'll continue to see some of those hurdles that uh, e-commerce companies have seen uh, over the last uh, 15, 16 months uh, continue in the back half of the year. What's interesting is I've been having conversations with my partners here in Canada recently, and ultimately what they're saying is if they expect so much demand that if you haven't chose a partner and you haven't forecasted with that career partner um any new people getting into ship to home and e-commerce this year likely won't be able to unless they're going to be delivering the packages themselves because they're just they're at capacity they can't take on net new volume Uh, so to me that's you know we're sitting here in june and that's pretty alarming for for anyone that is a startup or trying to switch their business from a traditional bricks and mortar and move to an online, that if they haven't established those relationships and got the commitment from the careers now, that they're they're going to have a rude awakening come the back half of this year. 
so it was, it's, I think it's a, a great tip that we need to really make sure that people are aware of. Get with your partners now, help them, forecast with them, and make sure that they're, they have the transparency to the volume you think you're going to do. Yeah, Chris, I, I agree with with you 100%. You couldn't have said it any better. And, and you know, that goes from uh, whether it's existing clients that you have a long-term relationship with, the sooner that you can get your projections, the, they are able to forecast capacity. And, and you are exactly right where you say that providers, whether they're postal or whether they're commercial, there are capacity issues. Does that mean if you take, you know, your package to grandma over to your Canada Post station and it's, you know, it's going to Newfoundland, will, will they not take it? No, of course they will take it and and it'll move. But as you said, for those e-commerce companies that are using whatever partner or provider they have, uh, they definitely will will run into some challenges. So that's definitely excellent advice. And it, it goes back to, you know, what was said earlier. It's really that communication and that, and that awareness between the e-commerce shipper uh, and their partner to, you know, learn, uh, you know, about some of the changes in the marketplace and, and really how, because we all want to have as much success as possible uh, in Q4 with the holidays. So, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree with you more. I think it's also going to start earlier. Uh, as it has been, and I think it's also going to continue. So, definitely agree. Yeah, I think I think it will definitely start earlier. I know um, years ago we uh, started leveraging Black Friday, trying to get you know a week out ahead of the competition, and now it feels like it's a full month ahead of time that the deals already start happening. So, I can imagine things happening as early as October now, uh, as we as we just try to. One, it helps with the flow of goods because it's a longer period of time instead of having all that volume over one weekend. But uh, ultimately, the second is everyone's fighting for that share of wallet. And the sooner they can get those dollars, then they can't spend them elsewhere. Uh, So I think that's going to be a trend to continue to watch. Let's switch gears a little bit here. And let's talk about international. I haven't done international shipping for a long time. When I set up uh, global e-commerce for Newegg, I spent a long time in that that sector, but ultimately things have changed. Let's let's get your expertise on on international shipping for the folks that are wanting to explore that. Yeah, no the the timing of the uh, the the question is perfect. There have been a number of changes uh, to what's called the VAT scheme, which is you know the value added tax scheme. Uh, really, you know, very brief history, two thousand and eighteen. Australia came up with a 10% tax, 10% VAT tax. Uh, first started as they called it the Amazon tax because uh, goods were coming into the country of Australia, but the the Australian government was not getting that revenue. So people, in essence, would be able to go online, purchase a product, and not have to pay any taxes on it. So it, it was great for the consumer, but obviously as any, you know, whether it's uh the Revenue Canada or in, in the U.S., uh, you know, the IRS, companies, uh, when, there are, when there are sales, obviously want to be compensated and make sure that the applicable duties and taxes are paid. So in 2018, Australia started that. 2019, New Zealand hopped on. There are some other countries. But basically, uh, what's happened in January of 2021 uh, the United Kingdom, which which was on the tail of Brexit, which they voted for at the end of nine, of 2019, uh, the UK basically 
was removed from the European Union. So what that meant is any shipments uh, that were inbound to the UK effective January 1st would be taxed. So they would be taxed at dollar one. Previous to that, we had the de minimis value that we talked about uh, that used to be, uh, it was 18 GDP, Great British pounds, about 22 US dollars. If shipments were below that, there were no duties, or there were no taxes that needed to be paid. Uh, effective January 1st, uh, it, those shipments, regardless of the value, uh, would be charged the VAT, uh, the value added tax. And in the UK, it can be, it's pretty steep. It's its 20%. But the importance of that is, is there's a lot of burden or responsibility on the e-commerce shopper because the, e, sorry, the e-commerce, not shopper, but the e-commerce business, the e-commerce business uh, has to register with the UK tax authority. Uh, they have to get, in essence, a, uh, a tax number uh, similar to a GST in Canada or a federal tax ID in the US. It has to have that tax number uh, for the UK. Then they have to remit taxes to the UK on a quarterly uh, every six month or, or annual basis. So there are lots of companies that, that do provide this service. And maybe as a follow-up, we can we definitely can provide some helpful links to the listeners. Uh, but the reason that that is so, so critical is effective July 1st, the European Union and all 27 countries in the European Union are following that same VAT scheme, meaning that Shipments anywhere in the European Union in those countries that are in there, the, the, it's the big ones, um, minus Switzerland, but France, Germany, Ireland, you know, those Spain, Portugal, those main e-commerce destinations now, um, e-commerce businesses uh, are registering for what's, called an, what's being called an IOSS, uh, an internet one-stop shop. So basically, you're, what they are creating is basically one tax ID number that covers the entire European Union. So those customers, they do not have to put that what's called an IOSS number. You don't have to put that number on your packages. You don't have to put it uh, on the label. But what you have to do is electronically in your manifest, you have to you have to to provide that number to the European Union. And then in that country, the tax authority uh, knows when those taxes are paid, who paid those taxes, meaning the e-commerce shopper. So it, it's a very complicated um, topic and I'm really trying to you know, simplify it as much as possible. Uh, but what I would say is if customers or if e-commerce shoppers uh, have questions about the UK VAT scheme, or the European Union uh, VAT scheme. Uh, definitely, we are able to assist to help people with that. Uh, but definitely, if you do ship international, please make sure to talk to your carriers, to your brokers, uh, to your providers, and ask them, hey, what's going on with this UK VAT that I keep hearing about, or really more? The UK VAT started in January. If I'm shipping to the UK, there's some things that I need to do. July 1st, if I'm shipping to the rest of the European Union, France, Germany, Spain, Portugal, all those countries, there's some steps that I need to take. 
um, after the show, we, uh, Chris, we can, I'll provide you some links that you can definitely share, uh, with, with your listeners and with your followers. But yeah, it's definitely something that, uh, businesses are, are really going to have to pay attention to. And it's really the same in the EU as it was in the UK shipments from dollar one will now be assessed a 20% tax that the different unions, the, the different countries in the European Union will be looking to the e-commerce shipper to pay for those taxes. So since you're selling that good in whatever European Union, there's a 20% tax on that particular item. Uh, they definitely want to make sure that that tax is paid. They want to make sure that that tax is remitted and they definitely want to be able to uh, document that. Now, the question is, this is a really big change. And even in the EU, or sorry, even in the UK, we're still seeing a lot of packages that are not being assessed just because of the sheer volume of e-commerce. And it's still a very manual process. So there is really that possibility now that how long is it going to take until all of my packages are assessed duties and taxes? And the answer to that question is we really don't know because we've really had nothing like this before. That's a lot of good information to absorb there, Brighton. What are we going to do right now is just, first of all, ask you, how can the, my audience, because I'm sure they're listening and going, forget the links. How do I contact this guy? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's no problem. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, I, you see my name. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, just Brighton Backus on LinkedIn. That, that's probably the best way to contact me. Um, I'm very, try to be very active on LinkedIn, uh, sharing some of these uh, updates on some of the uh, European Union and the, the UK VAT changes. So if you look at actually some of my, my posts on uh, LinkedIn, You'll actually get a lot of the information that you're looking for. Um, and then again, based on your particular scenario, if there is anything uh, that we can do to assist you, uh, definitely would, would love to help any anyone out in, in any way that we can. That's great. And yeah, I will put your LinkedIn information and your contact info in the comment sections um, as well to make it easy for everyone to, to find out how to connect with you. Um, what I found interesting with the countries that you were talking about, the one thing when I was launching global e-commerce uh, for Newegg that I realized was a lot of these countries, while English was not their native language, they had a substantial audience that did understand and could shop with just the English language. And they were able to come to our sites while we were working on translating and making sure we got um, our, our content in their native language. Um, it didn't stop them from shopping. They were able to engage with us just from the English content that we already had. Yeah, no, that, that's an excellent point that you that you bring up. And, and Chris, I, I appreciate you sharing that with me because one of the things that we do, you know, whether it's a company the size of Newegg, a you know, billion-dollar company at this point, or a company that, that may be smaller, is what we will do is, is we will actually uh, look at their internet geography actually see where customers are looking for them. As you said, it may be an English website, but we actually will demonstrate, did, did you realize that, and, and it happens that, you know, okay, 75% of your website traffic is coming from Canadian IP addresses, but 10% of it is coming from Australia. 5% of it is coming from the United Kingdom. Again, I'm just making examples, but yeah, it really, it, it opening up, uh, an e-commerce business's eyes to these are other English-speaking countries uh, with very similar setups. What if you were able to service those other English-speaking markets 
basically with what you're doing now. If you could increase your business 10, 15 percent, 20 percent, it's definitely something worth taking a look at. And and again, it's it, it's not all easy. I mean, it, it's not just a snap of the fingers, but uh, working with providers and, and working with consultants, you actually have a, a great opportunity to. And, and as you said, um, English is, you know, if not the most popular language online uh, companies and 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 e e-commerce shoppers are definitely very savvy to that. So yeah, you know the the language thing you brought up is is very important, and and that's definitely uh, something to focus on. And what I also found with that audience too was the assortment of goods. Maybe they didn't have access to that assortment in their countries, so they were actually while it was expensive to do business, you were able to actually increase your margins because they didn't have the availability to those goods in their markets. So you could, not that you wanted to gouge them, but you need to make sure that your PNL is is correct. Uh, so you were able to adjust your pricing to to make sure it was relevant to that demand. Yeah, no, very, very beautifully said. You know, it is, uh, and yeah, it, it, as you said, especially in the, you know, the electronics uh, accessories uh, in. Uh, arena or apparel or uh, cosmetics and beauty products, uh, books, uh, you know, they're not not very often anymore CDs. But yeah, th- those are really what we see. Those are really the industries, as you talked about, the, the electronic accessories, the apparel, beauty and cosmetics. You're, you're exactly right. There are many countries that that customers are not able, like you said, just to walk down down the street to a store or boutique, uh, what have you, for whatever reason, global pandemic. So that's where it, it, exactly uh, as a as an e-commerce business, you can really look at the trends. And as you said, uh, not that you want to gouge these these companies, but you you can really, as you said, make a compelling statement uh, that matches the supply to the demand. So yeah, very well said. Great and. Before we, I mean, we're, we're 35 minutes into this. Uh, typically, my audience is now starting to um, get home, and uh, we typically try to wrap this up in about 40 minutes so that they can just enjoy their time with their family. Is there any other key messages or takeaways um, that you can think of that would inspire someone right away to, to reach out to you? I know you give so much thoughtful advice to um, your, your partners, and, and really, it, whether they become a partner tomorrow, six months from now, or a year from now, you're always making sure that you're um, giving that advice for a long-term success and partnership. And it's not about just focusing on connecting for tomorrow. So is there anything that uh, you want to to mention that we've neglected to? Yeah, you know, Chris, I, I definitely really appreciate that. Um, I, I think what I would say is, is really two things. Uh, first of all, I would say, uh, you know, and it sounds kind of silly, but, but really don't be afraid. Uh, if if you do not ship internationally, it's not really that hard. Uh, con- companies can take that step, you know, whether it's one across the border or one across an ocean. Uh, you can actually service another country with economical, trackable shipping solutions, uh, and you can grow your your marketplace. So that's really the first per piece of advice that I would have. Number one is 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 to take that step and and don't be afraid to take that step. And number two, I would say uh, your transparency and communication with your customers. Uh, for example, daily we're providing a list of 
countries that, that are closed or countries that are experiencing delays. Our goal is that the customers that, that ship with us pass that information on to the along to their clients. So especially in this time during the global pandemic, with some of the challenges with resources that we've talked about, uh, be forthcoming and transparent with your e-commerce shoppers so that they realize, hey, I'm used to getting it in three to five days. It might take eight to 12 days. And the reality is we're, we're all experiencing some of those challenges during COVID-19. So I would just encourage uh, any e-commerce companies. And as you said, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's six months or six years, um, definitely it, it's always good to get the information and you can determine how and when you want to take that step. So those are really the the two things, Chris, that, uh, that I would leave your listeners with. That's wonderful. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate your time this this evening. And um, I look forward to, you know, we're going to get back and go deeper on some topics. There's some there's some heavy ones. And I would like to spend some more time specifically going through a topic at a time with you. So I think we'll do that. But I think this was a really good way to do an introduction. And I really appreciate your time tonight. The feeling is mutual as well. It was uh, an honor to to be on your show, really excited about the, the growth and development of your show. And always here to help out in any way that we can. Thanks, my friend. All the best and say hello to your family. You got it, sir. Take care. All right. Bye. You've been listening to Delivering E-Commerce. It's our passion to have on leaders and suppliers in e-commerce from around the globe, setting you and your strategy up for the next level. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. Connect with Chris on LinkedIn at Chris Parsons, on LinkedIn and Spotify at Delivering E-Commerce, or on YouTube at Chris Parsons Delivering E-Commerce. Till next time, this is Delivering E-Commerce.